Let me turn all these ringers off. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Impel Forward Podcast. I have a treat for y'all today. Miss Gina. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. I've been waiting to do this, do this episode right here. Oh, really? Okay. So I'm nervous. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. Like, I get so nervous. My arms sweating and stuff. Hey, look, I got I got questions, but they might go all over the place right now. Okay, let's go. I'm ready. Whatever you got, I'm boom. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. Whatever they are. We're going to get to that making love in the kitchen, but not right now. <laughs> That's a really good title, though. Yeah, like I know yeah. people are like, what is going on here? Yeah. Look at love with the kitchen. It's like, what? There it is. <laughs> Look, so so once again, this is Gina. Gina is it Conyers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gina Conyers. Yeah, that's right. That's right, right. Now, um what what we officially met, this has been over. Don't tell well, her I'm age. Just, I mean, I don't have a problem telling my age, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you look good for your age, girl. Well, thank you, are. thank you. We do oh, kind of no. look good, though. Like, I mean, to yeah. be older people, honey, we looking kind of good. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, look, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Okay, so originally I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina, honey, the 2-6, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm a little mm-hmm. ghetto. I don't say that I'm a full hood rat. I'm a hood mouse. I'm slightly <laughs> ghetto. <laughs> yeah. And I was born and raised there, but also mm-hmm. in Virginia with my family mm-hmm. here. So they're from Caroline County. So that's how I got tied into just being in Richmond. I was like, you know, once I, um, I was married for like 10 years and once mm-hmm. I got divorced, I was like, I'm going to Virginia. I'm going to be with my people. And, and so I've been up here pretty much ever since. So now I consider Richmond, Virginia home. Oh, so when did you go to Virginia? So I've been here for so long. I can't even remember when I got here. <laughs> like I've been in Virginia probably since like 2012, 2010, 2012, somewhere over here. So, um, but like I said, I used to live here. I used to go to school in Caroline County. So, and all my family is up that way and up Maryland area. So. Okay. Did you do, um, I seen somewhere, did you, you went to Fayetteville State too? Yeah, I went to Fayetteville State. So I went to North Carolina Central University um, mm-hmm. and then I went to Fayetteville State University. So I have a couple of degrees. A lot of people don't really know that. So my bachelor's is in English education. So I used to be a teacher at one point in my life because I really do love kids. And mm-hmm. then I went back to school and I got my MSW. And so then I became a licensed therapist and I worked in the medical field for like 10, 15 years before I started making soap. So what is MSW for the people who don't know? So MSW is a master's of social work. So I'm an MSW and an LCSW. That's a licensed clinical social worker. So basically it's like what a psychologist does. PTSD Mm -hmm. was my specialty, except we don't do the testing that psychologists do. So we do all Mm -hmm. the therapy, the treatment, treatment plans. Like I said, worked in the hospital, created a lot of programs and did all of that stuff. And then I end up making soap. Look, doing my research, I couldn't find none of that. (laughs) That stuff is so old now. Actually, people that used to be the first thing to come up because we did a PBS documentary. Like, I mean, it was like that was my life for so long. But now it's so much all Gina's love stuff that comes up. It's like that life didn't even exist, Leon. It's crazy. Wow. Wow. So how did you. So you did. You was in the classroom at one point. 
So I was in the classroom at one point and I really loved it, but honestly, and this is what led me to get my MSW. How can a kid learn if the kid is hungry? Okay, the kids would come in there. They didn't have no clothes. They didn't have no food to eat. One, I remember this one boy. He was like, my mom been gone for three days. Like his mom was an addict. And then my thing is like, you want me to focus on a test with these kids? That's that's your priority. I'm like, these kids need food. They need love. So I would go to the social worker all the time. Like it was one girl. She was being molested by her dad. I go to the social worker, the social worker. I like she didn't want to do nothing. So she was like, oh, well, I'll write it up. I'll write it up. I'll report it. And nothing ever got done. So that used to just piss me off so bad. I said, you know what? I'm going back to school. I'm going to get your job. And then that's going to be that. And I'm going to help these kids in another way. Because teaching them English, how is that going to help? them in life if you're really right, right. struggling as a kid if you're hungry as a kid so mm-hmm. i went back to school got my msw but i never made it back to the classroom i end up working in trauma so i worked in a nicu i worked in er's i've worked in poly trauma and i feel bad that i never went back to the classroom but then what i saw was a different level of trauma people that had um tried to kill themselves and they were unsuccessful people that had been shot in the head people that have been hung i mean all types of things and so mm-hmm. then i was like well this is where god wants me to be so i'm gonna be here so i stayed in working in trauma in the er for um, and in polytrauma for probably over like 10, 15 years. Okay. So you, you, you did a lot and seen a lot. Yeah. I've been around the block. I've been around yeah. the block. Yeah. I spun the block a couple of times. <laughs> uh, Issa, now was that part of working for the government too? Or that's something totally separate. So, um, it was working for the government. So I worked for the department right. of veterans affairs. Like when I worked in the NICU, that was a state hospital. Um, mm-hmm. but then after I got out of that, I immediately, um, worked for the department of veterans affairs and it just, mm-hmm. I went up from there. So I started, like I said, just working in the ER emergent mental health, like, you know, just just being like the go-to person, like, okay, this is what's happening. This is how we're going to get through this crisis right now. And mm-hmm. then by the time I was done, like the, the last couple of years of my time in the hospital, I end up being elevated to what we call a program director. So I was over um, the polytrauma unit. So we had like doctors under us, psychologists, nurses, everybody that you could think of that would work in a hospital. They were the people that were running it. And then I was over there planning. These are the programs that we're making. This is how we're treating people. This is what we're doing. And so my um, trajectory was to go up into like they wanted me to go to school. They were going to send me back to school to get two more degrees, one in business and one in hospital administration. And they were like, we're going to pay for the schooling. We're going to give you your salary. Go to Texas. Go to Baylor. Just do this. And you come back and you'll you can pick any job you want here in the hospital. But let me tell you what happened. I end up getting sick. So I thought that because I was just running back and forth and just so busy because I'm such a busybody, I thought, oh, I just got anemia. Well, mm. I end up going to the ER and it progressively got worse. And they were like, your heart is failing. And I was around, like, around what year is this? This was in 2017. This was in 2017. So I was like, he lying. <laughs> like that was the first thing I thought. But I will say this. I have been on blood pressure medication since I was in my early 20s. So I always been on that. So I knew eventually it would give me problems with my kidney. So that's why I just thought, oh, well, maybe it's a little anemia. Maybe I'm just run down and I'm doing too much. But I went to the first ER doctor. I went to the ER because I was just so spent and I had never felt that way in my life. And he was like, you you got heart failure. And I was like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I know more about the medical field than he does. It's definitely my kidneys. So I went to one of the, the best 
kidney specialist here in Richmond, Virginia. And by then, I think my friend, she had to push me in in a wheelchair. That's how sick I was. And he mm. was like, girl, you're definitely, it's definitely your heart. Your, your heart is definitely failing. And so for me, I was just like, this is nuts. This is not what I planned for my life. So right. I ended up seeing a lot of different specialists at that time. And I was still working at the VA and they were like, listen, you're sick. Just, you know, we still want to send you to school. This will be a good break for you. And you can see doctors down in Texas. And honestly, you know what I said? I was like, I'm scared to death. Like, I don't know what this is, if it's just heart failure, because they were throwing out a bunch of other diagnoses. So they threw mm -hmm. out this one called cardiac amyloidosis. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't care what you call it. Just fix me. That, that's I, You could call it whatever you want to call it. Just <laughs> fix it. And the doctor, she looked at me, she was like, we don't fix it. It's no fix for this. That's and I was like, in my mind, I was like, what is she talking about? Like, how is there not a fix for something? And so I ended up going out to Mayo Clinic. And Mayo Clinic was where I really had to talk with God. I was like, God, if it's not cardiac amyloidosis, because when I was out there, I learned what that was. It's where mm -hmm. protein is built up in your body and it attacks all your organs. So at that time, my kidneys, my adrenal glands, my heart, everything was affected. And so I was really, really in a bad place. So I went out to Mayo Clinic. I was like, God, if it's not amyloidosis, I could take anything else. I could take heart failure. I could take kidney failure. I could take whatever else it is, but don't let it be that. Because even without treatment, they were like, you probably got a year, a year, maybe max without treatment. And with treatment, treatment was so hard, but it's not even a cure. It's just to relieve some of the symptoms. So I was like, God, please don't let it be this. If it's not this, forget that job, forget all of that other stuff. I am going to live my life how I want to live my life. So after probably about like two weeks, we had run a lot of tests. I was eating chemo for breakfast and lunch, doing all this other stuff. And then they finally came back on my results and they were like, it's not cardiac amyloidosis. And I was so excited. They were like, but girl, it's all these things right here. I was like, man, you keep that list. I'm out of here. <laughs> Leo, oh, when I, I tell you, I packed my bag so fast out that hospital. I was like, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how, tell me more about how, how did that affect your family? I know it affected you. Oh, how did, how, yeah, I kids can't talk. Time, right? Yeah, you gonna make me cry. I can't. Even, I don't even <laughs> be talking about this. So, like, seriously, it's gonna make me cry mm -hmm. thinking about it. I remember I was so sick, and because I'm so high energy, like I'm a playful right, mom. I play with my kids. Yeah. And so my little boy, my youngest, he noticed. And he used to get so scared and he had bunk beds at the time. And I, I never forget. He said, mama, just sleep in the bunk bed. Just sleep with me. Mm. And he would have to sleep with me every like he'd be on the top bunk. I'd be folded up in the bottom bunk because he was so scared right. that he wasn't going to have his mom. And I remember when I went to Mayo Clinic, I told him, I was like, well, I'm going to the hospital. I'll be back in a couple of weeks, maybe. It was supposed to be a couple of days, but it took longer. And he put his forehead on mine and he was like, I'm yours and you're mine forever. Like no matter yeah. what happens, mom. And right. so it really it changed like how I had to like parent and how I had to think about things. But we had conversations because that's what the doctors were telling me, like, you need to get your affairs in order. So I had to talk to my kids about what death is, what this looks like if I'm not here, like what happens next? Like, how will I still be with them even if you can't physically see me? And so it was a lot for them. But man, they stepped up. I mean, I got good kids. God has blessed me with, like, I don't know about nobody else's kids. I ain't talking about nobody else's kids, but my kids, I got yeah. great kids. 
They didn't mm -hmm. argue no more. Like how people say siblings bicker, there was no more bickering, no more fighting. They just stepped up and like matured and they just loved me. Even to this day, still, they just, anything I need, mama got it. Mama ain't got to worry. Mama ain't got to fuss. Mama ain't got to nothing. Mama got it. That's how they treat me. Yeah. They treat me like yeah, they gold. Came to, they came together for a greater cause. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And they had great mama. <laughs> So, yeah, let's talk, so what let's talk about what your transition from that though how what okay once you found all that out and got through with it what happened next yeah okay so like i said i was in there i was like lord please don't let it be this if it's not this i got some mm -hmm. changes i need to make and right. so i told you they told me it wasn't i packed my bags i was supposed to still stay there pack my bags i left i was in my job probably like two more weeks I finished. They didn't even know I was finishing up reports. I was I was doing everything to prepare the next person that would come in because it takes a long mm -hmm. time for somebody to have the job that I had. It was only four of us in the United States. So I knew okay. it would take a long time for them to hire somebody. So I said, well, let me just prepare everything so that, you know, they could still keep running all of this stuff and it won't like go off without a hitch. I put my mm -hmm. notice in so fast. I said, good luck, guys. <laughs> good luck, everybody else. I'm out of here. And they looked at me like I was crazy because I was making, I mean, between that and I was kind of doing some other things on the side, I was making well over $100,000 a year. I, I, I didn't have any problems financially. Man, I let that job go so quick. I cashed out. I cashed out because I had put a lot of money in retirement. I put a lot of money in. It, you guys call it a 401k, but it's a TSP. I was like, mm -hmm. run me my check. I need all my money. <laughs> I want to get out of here. And I was already making soap just for fun. Like it was right. a stress reliever from working in a hospital. I come home, make soap, give it to people for the holidays. It wasn't a thing. So I said, well, one of the things that I need to understand about this disease, me having heart failure is I'm probably not going to have as much time as I thought I was going to have on this earth. So mm -hmm. I thought about all the things that I ever wanted to do. And I was like, oh, I want to see if I can run my own business. I'm making this hospital run. They're making plenty of money off of what I do. Let me put that into myself. And so I cashed out. And since then, I, I was like, I'm starting Gina's Love. I'm going full time. And I was whipping it up in the kitchen. And then oh, I, really, I really. <laughs> did you ever think again about cashing out all your your what you call it tsm yeah i never my tsp i never even thought TSP. about it i said run me my money where did that thought come from though that, that, thought came from, that thought came from i'm gonna need some money to live uh, i'm gonna need some money to live i'm gonna need some money to pay my bills i need money to continue with this business so i was like i need money until i can start making money from the business but, but i'm real Oh, man, forget that job. <laughs> I didn't care nothing about that job. That's yeah, what everybody yeah. said. Everybody was so shocked. They were like, "You're because I'm young. I'm I was a black female. I'm teaching doctors how to doctor." So right. they're like, "We cannot believe that you're about. You've worked so hard for this. You about to leave? Uh, goodbye. Bye bye." Right. I love, but I was smart, really, really young. Because my system, the VA system, they match 50% of what I put in. So I was living very scantily, even though I was making $100,000 a year, I was putting half of my money. If they're going to match me 50, I'm going to put in 50. Like I'm going to put right. in everything I had. So I was right. putting in so much money every single month. 
when it was time to cash out, I mean, I knew I was going to be good. Like, I mm. knew it. Like, I had done the numbers. I had pulled the numbers. Even after I paid the taxes, take the taxes, you can have that. I still got yeah. money left. And right. so the first thing I did, honestly, the first thing I did was I spent the summer in Italy. I'm not going to lie. Right. <laughs> like, I did. I took a little Where break. A little I spent bit. the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I needed a little break. So I spent <laughs> yeah. the summer in Italy. and But I was still, like, working on the business and everything I needed to do from that and what I thought that I needed Mm -hmm. to do um but i cashed my money out and i never looked back i never even nothing they hit me up they text me hey where's the such and such i blocked them <laughs> like mm. do not call me i don't want nothing right. to do with this job but they thought i was gonna fail they thought for sure they were like she's gonna be back like she's mm -hmm. gonna be back she ain't gonna she ain't just up and leaving this like they call the va the whole it's the golden handcuffs because they it locks you it. in because the pay is so good and the benefits right. yeah, yeah. So you said it was i only never looked back. I took my it was for my position including position, me right. it was only four of us yeah it was only yeah. four of us you needed you. so they were like they hated yeah they, they hated to see me go but guess right. what i was out of there <laughs> Right, right. So we're just making love in the kitchen. Let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Now you didn't just you didn't just start that as soon as you uh, left work. They had to they had you had to be doing filling in okay. a little bit somewhere. Along okay. along. Yeah. How so real can I how real can I be here? Let's go. <laughs> okay, real. so let me tell you. Okay, so I told you I'm a little bit of a hood mouse. I'm not a hood rat, but I'm a hood mouse. Hood mouse. So right. I I grew up seeing drug dealers. So right. I grew up seeing people cooking up dope. You gotta know how to drop it, you gotta have your pyrex, you gotta know exactly when to take it off the eye, exactly when to cut it with. So mm. I just went from the dope game to the soap game. Right. I just took everything that I knew from a whole other world and said, wow, it's the same. I got to get these temperatures right. I got to make sure I cut it with the right thing. I got to mm -hmm. make sure everything, and when it dropped, I got to make sure that it's perfect. And so right. I just took what I already knew and just mm -hmm. put it into a whole nother area. And the, right. the soap was amazing. Like I said, I just started, I was making it in my kitchen. Of course, just like, you know, in the dope game, you mess a whole lot of product up at first until right. you get that recipe. And then when I got the recipe, I was like, it's over. I'm but a did dope start, soap maker. Did it start? <laughs> what did the idea come from though? Was it before you left or after you left? It was before I left. Like I was mm -hmm. doing this just for fun, just just for fun in the kitchen while I was still working my other job. So mm -hmm. I had technically started making soap in 2015, and I would give it away at Christmas time. But like I said, 2016, you know, I'd be in the kitchen whipping it up, honey, got my trap music on. Like, you know, I mean, I you can take the girl out the hood, but you can't take yeah. the hood out the girl. So, like, <laughs> you know, there was a part of me that was still like, well, honestly, too, I was like, how can I get some of the people that I know out of the hood? Like, what can we do? We need, you know, like we need to have another type of business where. And so, right. like I said, I just took those skills and transfer them over here. And I was like, this is it. And then once right. I had that recipe, like I said, I became the dope soap maker. But right. a lot of people that I sell to, clearly I, I, I sell to a lot of suburban, high-end people. They don't think of dope as dope. They just mm -hmm. think, oh, she's dope, as in she's great at what she does. Right. And I was like, I'll go with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I started making it up. But then when I left that job, I was like, ooh, 
I got to make more soap. Like I got to sell this soap. I got to make this soap. I already got the recipe right. I've been practicing for a couple of years now. And so I started with a really crappy website. I took the pictures with my phone, like, but I, I, I got so much hustle in me. And it's also from, you know, being in the streets and seeing right. a whole lot of street stuff that I knew I was like, I ain't got no problem with it. I'm going to make this happen. So I was just constantly whipping up in the kitchen and now I'm selling soap like crazy. Soap is going out. Soap is going out. I'm feeling real good about it. But then it became too much for me to cook up in the kitchen anymore because I had too many customers and too much going on. So mm -hmm. I had to expand outwards. So how was that that transition expanding out? Which, which, now, I just recently seen that yeah. you posted on was it Facebook a you know, big factory now. Yeah. So, so actually, believe it or not, I just posted that, but we've been doing that for the past four years. Okay. So that's not, that's you know, doing. yeah. So I'm not like somebody to post exactly what I'm doing in the moment because, right. you know, I just want to make sure that I got it all right and got it I all got together. You. So um, we've been doing that for four or five years. So I have actually three manufacturers, one okay. out in Montana, one in Iowa, and one in Minnesota. Because I was like, well, let me make this recipe right. I was like, and then they got all the equipment out there to get the ingredients really cheap and make it super cheap for me. Mm -hmm. So let's just say, and I'm a numbers girl. I may be, I may act like a dingbat, but I, you know, I'm a numbers girl. So I said, okay, well, it's making me five, it takes me $5 a bar to make it in my kitchen. I mm -hmm. talked to them out there. They said, we can make it for $2 a bar. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, it's on. Here you go. I sent them a check. I sent them that money. I said, here's my recipe. Add this, this, and this to this recipe. They said, don't worry, Gina, we got you. And so mm -hmm. they just take my recipe and they make it and they have all the equipment out there and they make mass quantities. And right. at first, Leon, I was nervous because I'm a control freak. Like I like oh. to make sure everything's right. But when they sent me the first sample bars, I was like, mm -hmm. I love you guys. Will you marry me? Like it was over. <laughs> like I was like, I was right. like, I'm hooked. This is right. it. This is what I'm doing with my life. And so I really, I don't, sometimes I think because I'm in it. I don't see the progress that I've made. Like, mm -hmm. I don't see like the different packaging over the years or, you know, the website getting better. I'm just so deep in the trenches that all I see is work, 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 work. Right. And so sometimes it's hard for me to see how far I come with people like, oh, wow, you're doing a good job. And I'm like, girl, do you know how much more work I got to do? Like, mm -hmm. I got so many more, so much more to do and so much further along that I want to be that, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so that sounds like me sometimes when you when you're doing things or staying where you come from, you even though you, you have progress and you you know what you're doing now, you still yeah. kind of I don't know if you feel like this, but you still feel like you're kind of behind or yes. it's just so much more you can do. Yeah. yeah That's exactly yeah. how I feel. Right. What <laughs> but you you're doing good with what you're doing. Oh, thank you. I feel the same yeah. way about you. I look at, and I don't know your full story. Okay, just give me a glimmer. I know some of the story, but I don't uh -huh. know the full story. So just uh, give me a... A little bit. This seven and a yeah. half years in prison. Okay. Went away when I was 15. Well, turned That's 16. what I thought. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was like. He went away when he was really young. Yeah, real young. So I came home in 1999. So been home a little, what, 20 years, I think? Something like yeah. that. But I've yeah, been home a little over 20. Yeah, that's yeah. Had 30 years. Listen, I was sentenced to 30 years. That's crazy. 30 years. Okay, so being so young and mm -hmm. getting that sort of time, 
How did you even cope? Like, what were you thinking? How did you cope with it? How did you deal with it? Well, um, it was something I knew I had to grow through, go through once it, once it happened. And I, I, yeah. and I knew I just, once I got in my situation and got locked up, I already knew what I had to do to come home and get out. So, when, you know, once you're in there, you, you got to adapt, you know, and you okay. ain't going nowhere. So yeah, basically what it was. And I, like, I don't know if you've seen a clip I posted, like with this entrepreneurship thing, I guess it started, may have started mm -hmm. in there because I'm in there selling clothes at the clothes house. I'm loan sharking, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing all that. So, so I'm like, you know, you had to do what you got to do. Exactly. But I think that's what, you know, how people say it's not on you, it's in you. Clearly, right. it was always in you to be an entrepreneur. So, right. of course, you're selling clothes out the clothes house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was illegal, but hey, what's doing? <laughs> that's okay. That's not that bad, illegal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. not that yeah. bad. But you, you uh, I know you, you said you was uh, on your way. You're going to do an event now today? Yes, I have an event today to do. Like, um, mm -hmm. so I, one of the things, like, I am somebody that I could stay in the background and be just fine. But right. now Gina's Love is where it's at. So, you know, I go out a lot, do a lot of different things, do a lot of different events. And I don't mind it, but I'm actually a house person. I could stay in the house all day watching reruns of The Sopranos and uh -huh. drinking my water and be totally fine. Yeah. So I definitely, I have somewhere to be. So I need to get out because, honey, I'm always late. <laughs> Look, are, are you still vegan? I am still mostly vegan. There okay. are times when mm -hmm. I will eat something. It just depends on the environment that I'm in right. uh, when I eat something. But for the most part, I am plant based. That's what I eat. Drink a right. lot of teas. You can ask my kids. I force yeah, them. I see mushrooms. <laughs> we got to talk about. We oh, gotta, yeah. I got to have you back on. Oh, here. yeah. Mushrooms. Is that is mushrooms for your heart and all that? Listen, mushrooms are for okay. So that's the next thing we got to talk about. We got to talk about how I transitioned from being on all those medications yeah. from my yeah. heart to being very, very natural and the mushrooms. So not the psychedelics, because I know what y'all thinking. Like Gina, oh, yeah, stay yeah. high. Like, uh, but Gina, don't stay high. We're talking yeah. about Chinese traditional medicine and, and the mm -hmm. really good mushrooms that heal your body. We got to talk about right. that. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, real quick, because I know you got to go somewhere. Where can people find you? Hey, guys, you can find me at genuslove.com. That's where you can buy all of our products. But you can also find me acting a fool on Instagram oh, yeah. at Gina's Love Natural Body. <laughs> Same for Facebook, Gina's Love Natural Body. Yeah. There's <laughs> some other things I want to ask you, too. But, you know, it's, it's just something. We're, we're talking about it later. We got to have you back on here. Okay, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there you have it for another episode of the Impel for Podcast. Y'all hit Gina up. Check her website out. Gina's Loves Vegan Soap. And that's it. Good to have All you. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Peace. <laughs> See you. All right. Okay. Do I have to do anything to stop it? No. <laughs>